you feel gratitude and grateful. And that is the number one way to happiness. It is a way to see abundance. And when you see abundance in your life, you see more opportunities and get much more creative. And that mindset is how you make more money. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's FunNetFlip. You know FunNetFlip. Matt Rodak, the founder of FunNetFlip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix-and-flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And well, I hope you're having a best ever Sunday. And because today is Sunday, we've got a special segment called Skill Set Sunday where we're going to help you with a specific skill that will help you in your real estate endeavors. And today, the skill is how to build great relationships with people to talk to us about that. We've got Jason Troy, top executive coach. How are you doing, Jason? Doing fantastic. Thanks for having me back on the show again. Yeah, my pleasure. And a little bit about Jason. He works with executives and successful entrepreneurs on leadership and performance issues. He's the author of Social Wealth. He's based in Dallas, Texas. So with that being said, Jason, just to give the best ever listeners a refresher, can you give them a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. You know, I started like every entrepreneur on a really windy road. I went to law school and did really want to be a lawyer after I graduated from school. And I went out to Silicon Valley and got to work with a lot of great executives back in the gold rush, like Mark Cuban, Steve Jobs, just a bunch of great venture capitalists and other people. And then I decided to move back closer to my mom after some friends of my parents had passed away. And I was like to be near my mom for one point, at least for a couple of years and just came here and then just started my business by helping other people. And I sort of just fell into it and then did it as a side hustle and then turned it into a full-time gig. Okay. So what's the primary reason, and then we'll get into how to build great relationships with people. And perhaps this is it. What's the primary reason people hire you? Well, they're stuck and they're stuck in internal issues in meaning that they come to me because maybe they want to be a better leader they want to perform better. They want to help their team. They want to be a better coach, a better manager. The reality is, is that that's a small piece of the puzzle. The issue stems from things such as they can't step up because mommy and daddy told them to shut up when they were small. They told them big boys don't cry and they have a problem sharing emotions and being vulnerable and getting close to people. And that makes it hard for them to actually be a leader and cultivate a great team. So most of the things is really an inside out job. It's not the other way around. So part of it is a lot of it is sort of deep self-inquiry or mini therapy in a process of helping people really make the unconscious conscious so they can see what they've done, the patterns they've gotten into, survival patterns that they're stuck in that are keeping them in place. 
So let's talk about the focus of our conversation today and the skill set that you're going to educate us on, and that is how to build great relationships with people. I mean, clearly, real estate investors, we need to have great relationships with people from a business standpoint, for sure. So how do we do that? Well, I think, first of all, you need to be in the right places. Even before you think about, okay, well, what do I need to say? How do I need to construct a relationship? And I think the problem is most people don't really have a plan. And I think building relationships is all about a strategy, just it would be if I want to find a new job, if I want to do anything in my life, you've got to have a plan and you have got to get some help usually in figuring all that stuff out. And part of it is the first place is where do you go? And I've found through a lot of research and time, some of the best people to meet are in charities and nonprofit groups. And sometimes they can be interest groups, things such as running clubs, book club, things like that that you have in common. But you want to go where people have money because you're trying to get people to invest and buy stuff in higher value. And where they go is they're a part of charities. They're a part of charity boards. They're a part of nonprofits, meaning museums, opera, symphony. So the more you get ingrained in your community and those organizations, the more successful you're going to be because those are the people that actually have the resources that you can leverage when you prove to them that you can add value to them and they begin to trust you. And then it'd be a lot easier to find the deals that you want. Yeah, that's one of the things I keep top of mind as well is the philanthropic component because the more involved I am with, for example, Junior Achievement, I'm on the board for Junior Achievement in Cincinnati, the more I build relationships, just genuine relationships with people who are also on the board with me, and one of them has invested in multiple of my deals. Of course. And the thing about it is, is that when you're in an organization, the whole premise is giving. So when you're around people that have the mindset of giving and you build a relationship, they're much more open to helping you. Because most times when you meet people, like at a networking event or something like that, there's yeah. a lot of matching where you might give something but expect something back or you're taking. But in a charity organization, it, the whole premise is giving. Mm -hmm. So the mindset of people in there and their ability and also their want to help you is significantly higher. As long as you just build a natural relationship with them and it's not all about seeing what you can get. So mm -hmm. I think that's why those organizations and places are the right ones if I be a real estate investor or any kind of investor to go. And the problem is most people don't do that. They go to meetups and other places which are okay, but that's not where you're going to meet people who have hundreds of millions of dollars or a lot of excess capital just laying around because that's not what they do. So it's like a salmon, you can fight it upstream or you can go where the people are. And you know what? You might find that even if you don't like going to opera or symphony or something else, that actually if you keep going to it, you might actually learn to appreciate it. And there's so many options of things that you can do anyways. It's pretty limitless. I think it's almost impossible for you not to find a couple organizations that you're passionate about and that you enjoy and the people that you actually like being around if you get out there and just try them. Yeah, I think that's the key part is finding the places that you just naturally gravitate towards because there's a nonprofit for everything. <laughs> so unless you're in some podunk town, then maybe you'll need to 
be a little bit more resourceful. But if you're in a major city or near a major city, you have access to pretty much any type of nonprofit or philanthropic cause. And I like going to volunteer first. And then once you volunteer, then work your way up to the board of directors. Yeah, exactly. And that's how you do it. You go one or two times and you see, do I like the people? Do I enjoy the cause? Would I like spending my time there? And if the answers are yes, then get more involved. And if the answers are no, don't. Find something else, right? You don't just have to do something because of it. It's easy. You just Google young professionals, professionals and charity or nonprofit or whatever, or just come up with some stuff and throw it in there. And you can figure out a list or places in your local community or the metroplex that you live inside of it's almost impossible not to find any of these places. And great things always come out when you're in an environment of giving. I can tell you, I also did a Google search like you just suggested. So I'm on the board for Junior Achievement Cincinnati, but in addition, I want to do something a little bit different. So I did a Google search and I ended up gravitating towards hospice. So now I volunteer every Friday. I go visit a patient at hospice And the benefits are not to build business relationships, obviously, and they're in hospice, six months or less to live, statistically speaking, but more it's about knowing how to value relationships for myself when I build them with other people and just knowing that time is precious and just having a different perspective. So my point is, even if the nonprofit isn't a direct cause and effect for these people have money, it can still benefit you for your overall business as an entrepreneur. Right. Because issues when you do that, you feel gratitude and grateful. And that is the number one way to happiness. It is a way to see abundance. And when you see abundance in your life, you see more opportunities and get much more creative. And that mindset is how you make more money. So even if you don't get something out of it, being in that mindset and that environment will actually allow you to see a lot more around you and be a lot more successful. So the byproducts of it, no matter what you do or how you go about doing it, are massive and it's proven by research and science and however you want to look at it. So I'm 100% doing it. I've been doing it for a really long time and it's changed my life for the better. I have some great experiences that I could never have and I wish more people would do it. So how to build great relationships with people. You said have a strategy, then go where the people have money and charities, nonprofits, and do something that you genuinely test it out first. What else do we need to do? Well, I think the thing is, is you got to understand the pillars of how to build a great relationship. And I think that if you have these things, and I've kind of simplified it in my mind how to do this really quickly, because when I talk to people, I like to give them quick advice that they can implement pretty quickly and see some tangible results and then dive in deeper. And the key is, is that whenever you meet someone, you need to influence them enough to pierce their inner circle, because that way there's some urgency for them to follow up with you, because you've created some sort of influence on them that they're like, that's a great person. I really want to get to know them more. And I'm going to take time out, either meet them individually or go where they're at or have them come over to some group function. But whatever it is, they're top of mind. 
And how you do that is through three pillars. And one is building rapport. And there's two ways to build rapport. One is nonverbal and verbal. And nonverbal, there's so many things that you can look up. Body language, Amy Cuddy's got a great book on how to do that. And that's more time intensive, but it's pretty easy to do a lot of the stuff. But the verbal side of it, the key is, is you want to find common ground with people. And I think the way to think about it is we've all had those moments in our life where like, wow, I felt like I met that person for five minutes, but I've known them all my life and it's just amazing and we just clicked instantly. Well, you can do that almost every single time. It's just you're not asking the right questions. And I learned in law school, the key is to being successful is not about the answers. It's all on the question. And I thoroughly believe that now. And the questions you should be asking people are questions like, what's the most exciting thing that's going on in your life right now? What are you passionate about outside of work? Or what projects are you working on that you're passionate about? And why would you ask those questions? Well, the key is, is that after you ask someone, hey, how are you doing? Or maybe how'd you get to this organization as a warm-up question? You want to immediately go into that because that interrupts their pattern. Because most people ask people, where are you from? What do you do? And they've been asked those questions so many times. Usually most of the outcomes are not great or they're mm-hmm. okay, that they sound you out. They're thinking about other stuff as they're talking to you, and you immediately lost them. But when you ask them questions like that, one, it connects in their emotional side. And the key about life is we're all emotionally driven people. Even the most logically driven person that you think, it's all about emotion, and it's all about how they feel. And what you want to do is have people talk about about the thing that they're most interested in that no one's ever asked them before. And most people have never been asked that question because I've asked people, even by people in their life that they're closest to. So if you ask that question to people, you then have something that they really want to talk about and you can find some commonality because you can draw something. You're like, what are you passionate about right now? Well, I'm really passionate about because I love going to music and concerts. And you could say, I love that too. I've been to this concert or rap back and forth. And that is great because that person will instantly like you significantly more and you found some common ground that you can then discuss something that they want to discuss, not what you want to discuss. I don't know art. Hypothetically speaking, I just asked you, what's the most exciting thing that's going on in your life right now? I love this question, by the way. And you talk for about 180 seconds about some piece of art that you just found. I know nothing about it. What do I do? Well, then I would say that's fantastic. I'm not really into art, but it's probably something that I should really check out. Where do you recommend that I start to look at it in the city or where could I see something like that? But I don't care about art either. Okay, well then you say to yourself, I think that's great that you're really interested in. Is there any other things that really are getting you excited or that you're doing in your life and your work or something? You could just bridge it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would just bridge it to something business-oriented or ask them saying, so what else is going on outside of that? And they'll bring Mm -hmm. up something else. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's secondary, but at least you can get and find some commonalities to something else. All right, let's pretend I am just kind of 20% interested in the art thing. Where do I take the conversation? Because we're talking about art. Let's say we're at a conference. I ask you, you talk about art, and I'm kind of interested. But then where does that conversation go? Well, I think if you're just kind of interested into what they're talking about. But I want you as a business connection. Right. You can say to them, I'd love to talk to you more, get to know you more, have a conversation. Obviously, we don't have much time here. Let's exchange contact information and go grab lunch or coffee next week. And people will just hand you their information. Okay. 
it's pretty quick because people at that point, again, if you do 30% of the talking and they do 70, they'll at least like you. That's the opposite of what most people do because most people try to sell themselves. So by not trying to sell yourself, you actually stand out, which I know seems strange to people, but that is a huge turnoff if people talk over you and are not listening at all and they're only interested into what they're saying. So even at that point... I'm sorry, I have to, I have to butt in. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So that really helps. And I would just do that because a lot of times you're in a place and the key is you want to keep conversations under five minutes. So you just want to say, hey, let's connect next week, exchange contact information, Maybe you can say, hey, yeah, I'm going to a bunch of other great events. You seem like someone is really involved. Why don't I send you some other stuff if that's the case? Just find something in your head that you can use on a repetitive basis with people, a couple different ways that you can interact with them. And most people are going to give you their contact information pretty freely. And I think the majority of people will follow up with you. And the people that don't, Usually it's because you've not made a good connection with them. And I think then you can go back and ask yourself, what did I ask them? Was I present during the conversation? Sometimes things just don't work out, right? Not every person you're going to talk to, these things are going to work well at. And that's not the point. It's a numbers game. I want to ask you about the comment you made where you said keep conversations under five minutes. Are you referring to if you're speaking on stage and... I'm like, oh man, I got to talk to Jason, but there's a bunch of people that are in line talking to Jason. Or are you referring to if I'm at a conference and I'm sitting next to a couple people, then those conversations are the under five minutes? Yeah. The ones that when you're sitting next to people, right? If someone's on stage and doing it, that has got to be a super short point. But the thing about most of the people going on stage They are speaking in that event, and what I would do, and I've done this several times, is that I contact them prior to the event. And they're usually actually pretty free, and they'll Mm -hmm. meet with you. In fact, I met with the chairman of Royal Dutch Shell. I and my clients got on to Austin last year and meet with 10 different energy people at a conference, and he doesn't even know anything about energy. I meet with executives and just had an opportunity to talk with them, and I booked appointments for them ahead of time. I said, look how easy this is going to be. And he's like, there's no way that's possible. You can't get a meeting with the president of Exxon, the chairman of Royal Dutch Shell. There's no way. How would that ever happen? But these people go to these events and they want to be busy and they want to do stuff. It's just that you wait to the last minute. Oh, so you're saying um, you set up a meeting time to meet yeah, at, the, at the event? Yeah, you email them. You just okay. email them at a time and you'll get through a lot of the times. And I got 25% of the meetings that I pitched out for an event for Forbes magazine mm-hmm. from my clients going there. So it's possible to do all this stuff. And if I had more in common, I bet that would have gone up a lot more. But it's completely far out of left field. But that's pretty good ratio. And I got to sit down with people, my client did for 15 to 20 minutes and talk to them. And that made a lasting impression. And what he did with it from that point was up to him. But he didn't have to fight and stand in line. These people just came to him and said, hey, let's go to the restaurant in the hotel. You do a little logistical work. And the person met and had a conversation and moved on. So you've just got to be thinking ahead and ask yourself, what are 99% of the people not doing? And then go do that. Or just do the opposite of what your first reaction is going to be. And it's usually right. I believe you said three pillars to have a great relationship. The first one's build rapport. Is that correct? And the second one's likability. And the easiest way to do that is just to listen to people. Like we talked about before, most people talk over people. 
They are not present. They're thinking about what they're having for dinner, what they have to do later. And 90 some percent of communication is nonverbal. So if you just look at someone and practice being present and don't worry about who else is walking behind them, around them, you'd be amazed at how the tenor of your conversations and interactions will change because they can tell when you're distracted in the back of their mind because that's how we interact with people. That's how our mind and our senses work around us. So you've got to really be noticing that and observant because if you're not, it's affecting your ability to build relationships at the level that you could be if you actually just looked at them and were present and didn't worry about anything else in the couple minutes that you spoke to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the third? The third is you have to build trust with people. That's the key. And the way you do that first is by showing them that you care. And if you look at all the tenants of trust through all the research, caring matters by far more than anything else. And how you show people that you care is you add value. And you add value in the conversation in ways by suggesting things like maybe there's a book, maybe there's a person you can introduce them to, maybe you can say, I may have some ideas, let me follow up and then follow up with some ideas. You can also introduce them to people at the event. A lot of the times when I first started out doing a lot of this stuff, I introduced strangers to other strangers, meaning I didn't know either person. Mm -hmm. And I would just introduce them. (laughs) And it worked really great. I'd go up to the bar or any place, and whether you were drinking or not, and I would say to someone on my right, hey, how's it going? What's happening? How'd you get to this event? And they would say something, and it didn't even matter what they said. There'd be someone on my left, and I literally might touch their arm or grab them or do whatever, (laughs) and I'd say, hey, you two should meet each other. I think you'd get along. And obviously, I had no idea, but my (laughs) mindset was that they would. So it's true. If you believe it's true, it is true. And then what happened is they'd start talking to each other, and the great thing about that is that people always want to meet new people. Now, they might say to you they don't need a lot of friends or they're happy in a small circle. But the fear of missing out, everyone wants to meet a new person because they don't know where that interaction might lead. And the thing about that is when you introduce someone to someone else, what I found out the magic is, it's not really what happens in that interaction. It doesn't matter whether it goes okay or whatever. Mm -hmm. What happens is when you walk around the room and you meet that person the next time, they'll introduce you to everyone that they're standing around. One, because they like you already because you actually went out of your way to introduce them to people. And the only people that introduce other people are usually in people's inner circle or people that they know really well will go out of their way to do that. And also there is reciprocity. Yeah, exactly. So that fits in there as well. So either one, whatever happens and reason why that works, it doesn't matter. So I started doing this and realized that by doing that and introducing five or seven different strangers together, I could easily meet 25 to 50 people in probably 60 to 90 minutes in every event I'd go to. Again, these things are all numbers games because you don't know who you're going to run across and what's going to happen. And so the key is, is just meeting a lot of people and then getting their information. If there's someone you want to do one-on-one, great. But the other option is inviting people to go and get together for brunch, for dinner, for lunch, and just inviting a bunch of people along because everyone wants to meet new people. I don't care whether they're married or whatever. People want new people because they don't know where these interactions are going to lead. And if you're meeting them in charity or nonprofit events, for the most part, people are pretty open and pretty giving and understand what's going on. And not every interaction is going to go great, but if you invite four, six, eight people to a dinner or lunch, 
there's going to be some great things that come out of it. And then you are the hub making all this happen and everyone else is a spoke. And when you do that, that's an influential place to come from. And people then come to you are more open to hearing things from you. And then they invite you to other events mm-hmm. and other private functions too. So you never know what is going on. In fact, one of my friends here did that and he met one of Jerry Jones's nephews. And now he goes to the Dallas Cowboys games a couple times a year and sits in the owner's box. I never thought about doing a sub-meeting brunch thing where you invite a bunch of people who you're meeting at the event to then go have brunch together, and that's it. You're just going, and you're the one that's corralling everyone. And it's the same philosophy as if you create a meetup locally. You can invite all these speakers. You have to have zero experience. That's it. Just know how to work meetup.com. And then you automatically get elevated to a similar level of the speaker just because you're putting it all together. Right. And you could actually do that even at the event saying, hey, you know, a bunch of us are going to go to this place afterwards and invite people to go. And who knows who's going to show up, but you can invite people. And I've done that quite a few times. And that works almost all the time, too, because a lot of times when an event ends seven, eight o'clock, people don't want to go home yet and they'll be willing to go out for a little while. So then you can spend some more time with some of the people that you met as well. So there's a lot of ways to skin the cat here and get interactions with people. The key is you've got to start going to events because by spending 60 or 90 minutes there, it's the most high value time that you can spend to meet a lot of people quickly and in a great environment. Jason, how can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? They can go to my website. It's jasontroy.com and that's Jason and it's T-R-E-U.com. That's Jason, T-R-E-U.com. And there's tons of free giveaways on there. I have a guide on 10 best practices in creating influence and meeting people. And some of the stuff we covered is on there and a lot more stuff in depth that's easy that people can just implement overnight and have be pretty successful at translating that into real estate deals or other investing that they want to do. You absolutely over-delivered on the promise of talking to us and teaching us how to build great relationships, talking about the three pillars that you have for building a great relationship. One is build rapport, a question that we should all ask people, whether it's someone we just meet or our spouse or significant other, what's the most exciting thing that's going on in your life right now? Two is likability, and then three is building trust with people, and you gave some specific ways to do each of those things. Then on top of that, a couple miscellaneous tips. One is go volunteer for a nonprofit or a charity or something that you're passionate about where people who have money also spend their time, but more importantly, you want to be involved with that organization, go volunteer, test it out, and then ultimately climb the ranks, be a board member. And then the other miscellaneous tip would be do a sub-meeting at a conference where you gather some people and do a brunch. And then you're simply the one who organizes it and you'll be elevated to another level and be included in other stuff. So thanks, Jason, for being on the show Hope you have a best ever weekend. A lot of practical tips that you gave us. I'm very much grateful for that. Hope you have a best ever weekend. Talk to you soon. Thanks. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with bestselling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book, 
on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. The Target Market Insights podcast is just that, a show solely dedicated to help you learn about target markets through the people successfully shaping them. The show features professionals who work directly with the audience and market you want to connect with in real estate. Listen and subscribe today at targetmarketinsights.com. That's targetmarketinsights.com.